0: Into the Fold is part of the Texas Podcast Network, the conversations changing the world, brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin. The opinions expressed in this podcast represent the views of the hosts and guests and not of the University of Texas at Austin.
1: I don't think that people should hurt each other. I don't think anybody should be allowed to hit anybody else. And, and as a society, we've decided that's true for adults, right? It doesn't matter what color your skin is, you cannot... A spouse cannot hit their spouse. Like we just don't allow that. That's illegal. A, that's a it's assault. And so I apply that same lens to children. And so I, I honestly don't see any difference between those two things. And so I think we, we are still in this kind of period where we're still grappling with this, this practice that we have held on to for a long time, um, that. That really is about control and power and expressing anger and frustration and not about making children better.
0: Hi, welcome to Into the Fold, a podcast on mental health issues. I'm your host, Ike Evans, and today we are delighted to bring you episode 114 The Case Against Spanking.
2: When we talk about uh, well-being, for me, it's the person's ability to thrive. Having their basic needs met, as well as having community and connection.
1: I think looking at an individual or a community in its entirety.
0: These are the moments where it's not only about celebrating, but it's about connecting with people and connecting with the community around you. Well-being is when you are feeling kind of your best and best i think is a moving target and supporting one another continually talking to one another sharing our resources a community that golden thread it's well established that children with histories of abuse demonstrate higher levels of depression conduct disorder ptsd impaired social functioning and other problems this is deeply entangled with how we discipline them We're going to be having a conversation with Elizabeth Gershoff, a UT Austin professor who has found in her research that much of what harms kids is done by those who claim to care about them, parents and guardians who resort to corporal discipline, uh, in a word, spanking. For this episode, we're doing something new. For the first time, we're teaming up with another podcast. Mark Earhart is host of Point of Discovery, a wonderful podcast about science that is also part of the Texas Podcast Network, As Are We. So I'm going to hand the baton off to Mark who will take us into the interview. Mark, it's so great to have you with us. Uh, Welcome.
2: Thank you, Ike. I'm really excited for today's conversation. So first, uh, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Uh, Her name is Liz Gershoff and she's a professor in UT Austin's Department of Human Development and Family Sciences and the director of the Population Research Center. She's been studying the effects of physical discipline on children for two decades. Thanks in part to her research and advocacy, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Psychological Association have both put out statements calling for an end to physical discipline of children. Also, thanks to her work, three states have banned corporal punishment of disabled children in schools. She's currently working with leaders in Congress on two bills that would outright ban corporal punishment in schools. Liz welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
2: All right so first up can you help us with a definition? It's already illegal to abuse children physically. So what separates physical punishment like spanking from illegal child abuse?
1: That is an excellent question Um, and the answer is really that it's arbitrary. Uh, In the United States we it comes down to each state has a law about physical abuse and what constitutes physical abuse. And so that's kind of the extreme level that's, that judges use to decide what's physical abuse. Typically it's some kind of injury, so and, and it gets operationalized as an injury lasting more than 24 hours. So something like a cut, a broken bone, a bruise, a welt, those kind of things would last longer than 24 hours. And so authorities from child protective services could come in and see the evidence of the harm being done to the child. Things that that leave less lasting marks, so spanking and slapping tend to leave a red mark that probably goes away uh, in a short amount of time. Those don't rise to the level of abuse in our country. Now other countries have decided that that's a fairly arbitrary distinction and that any kind of hitting of another person should not be acceptable. Just like with adults, we don't allow any kind of hitting uh, between adults. That's called assault. So in other countries, they've said, we're going to have the same kind of legal definition for children. And so that in other countries, any kind of hitting is now illegal. So there's now 63 countries where it's entirely illegal to strike a child. But in the United States, we've made this exception to allow hitting of children, um, both in home and in school.
2: Okay. And so your research focuses on more of the sort of spanking slapping kind of uh, uh, that, that's what physical abuse is in, in sort of your work.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm interested in kind of that everyday parenting that, that, that many of us grew up with and many parents still do and many parents believe is effective and so that's kind of what I wanted to understand is what you know some things about why parents do it but then is it actually achieving the outcomes that parents hope to achieve? Is it making children better behaved? Is it improving their outcomes in the long term? Because that's the whole reason why parents are doing it. And so that's what kind of drove me to do my research.
2: Yeah, I wanted to get to that. I mean, how did you first get interested in this?
1: Well, I got interested in it back when I was in college, actually. I was volunteering on a research project that interviewed parents about discipline, and parents were given the scenario like a child reaching for a hot stove. And they would say, what would you do if your child did that? And then the parents would say whatever they would say. They would say yell or grab the child's hand or something. And then the interviewer would say, what would you do if they did it a second time? What would you do if they did it a third time? And what was interesting to me is parents definitely escalated. The more times children were not listening to them, they're more likely to get to physical punishment by that second or third time. Not everybody did, of course, but there's definitely an escalation aspect to it. But then there's also some parents who just right out of the gate hit children or hurt them, or even did things like put the child's hand on the hot stove so they could see how hot it was. I mean, and so what kind of that taught me was, there's some, I can understand the escalation thing. What I don't understand is that kind of it, that kind of the first reaction being a violent and, and hurtful one for children, like why? why would that be a good way to teach children? And, and so it, it didn't go fit with anything else I was learning about how children develop and how children learn and the kind of how much of what they learn is based on relationships with, with parents, with friends, with teachers. And that if you have someone hurting another person, that's not gonna be a very helpful relationship. And so that made me think, well, why, why would that work? Why would that be a good thing? And why do we have centuries of evidence of people doing this to children, does it really work? And so um, that's what kind of drove me to do my first research, um, which was a meta-analysis to kind of look at all the research that's out there and say, okay, what do we know? What, what have all these studies found? And that's the first time where I, I found that there was no evidence that children are better behaved the more they're physically punished. And so that has kind of led me down a path of research to really understand Is that true for all children? Is that true across cultures? Is that true over time? Is that true for lots of different outcomes? And so that's kind of led me to all this different research I've done for the last 20 years.
2: So so over the years, I mean, you've looked at all sorts of things, right? Like mental health uh, impacts, antisocial behaviors, cognitive impairment. So in all that work, I know it's a lot to sum up, but uh, what have been some of the most uh, uh, remarkable things that you've found?
1: a good question I think um a couple things have been interesting one has had to do with culture because people have asked me you know well in my culture it's very common to spank children and and we believe very strongly that it's important to spank children and so in our culture it works and so that okay that's a question that I can answer and so I've done that a couple of times I've done that with different countries and I've also done it within the United States and looking at race and ethnic groups as a way of of looking at culture. It's not a perfect way of looking at culture, but, um, and in both those studies, what my colleagues and I found was it didn't really matter, it didn't matter which culture a child was from, even if physical punishment is very common in that culture. So we looked at six different countries and some countries had higher rates than others, but in all those countries, the more a child was spanked, the more aggressive and anxious they were. In the United States, we did a study with 13,000 children, a nasty representative study, And we looked at four different race and ethnic groups. So we looked at white, black, Latinx, and Asian-American children. And there were differences in how often parents use corporal punishment or physical punishment. But once you took that into account, there was no difference in how spanking predicted behavior. It wasn't good for any of the children. None of the children's behavior got better over time. For all four of those groups, the more children were spanked, the more aggressive they were over time. So to me, that kind of suggests that there's these cultural differences in in what people think is a good idea. But when you actually look at the research, there's no evidence that hitting a child is a good thing in any culture. And so that's what we see now in research all over the world is that there's just no evidence to show that it's a good thing For children anywhere.
2: And uh, you mentioned that children who have physical punishment tend to to have more aggression. Are there some other uh, major impacts that you see?
1: Yeah, we see that the more children are physically punished, the more mental health problems they have. So the more aggression, uh, I'm sorry, the more anxiety and the more depression. And that makes sense because you can imagine children who are are being hit or threatened with being hit a lot will be anxious and fearful and afraid of their parents. And so it makes sense that if you experience that a lot in your life on a day-to-day basis or month-to-month basis, you'll start to internalize that as an overall anxiety. And so it's not really surprising that we see high levels of anxiety among these children, high levels of depression, um, unfortunately some suicidality as well. So, so yeah, we do definitely see mental health impacts of this kind of harsh parenting. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, uh, I would like to cut in if I may. So yeah, I'm listening. And so, um, and just, and just for any, you know, any listeners uh, who didn't know already, I I am African-American. And so uh, one thought that occurred to me, uh, Liz, while you were, you know, mentioning kind of the cross-cultural dimensions of this. Uh, so I'm 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 familiar with you know the 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 discourse on spanking you know that happens uh, among among black people. It's 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 definitely always a a charged topic, and so I'm just wondering if if you've gotten feedback or even critique you know whether whether it's from you know black parents or at least those who are sort of tied into that discourse that's that's affected your approach or just your, your lens in any sense in looking at this
1: yeah that's a good question I mean I, I definitely have gotten a lot of feedback about this kind of research um, and the way I kind of have approached it as a as a very universal approach I mean I and I take a very human rights oriented approach now that I I don't think that people should hurt each other. I don't think anybody should be allowed to hit anybody else. And, and as a society, we've decided that's true for adults, right? It doesn't matter what color your skin is, you cannot, a spouse cannot hit their spouse. Like we just don't allow that. That's a It's that's assault. And so I apply that same lens to children. And so I, I honestly don't see any difference between those two things. And, and so I don't see any difference between hitting children based on their religion or their culture or where they live in the country or the color of their skin, to me, all of us hurt when we're hit. It's a very physiological reaction, right? We, It's painful, it's scary, it can be anger-inducing. Um, and I, that that reaction is gonna be the same regardless of a person's cultural background. And so, I, over the years, I've taken a very... Um, Unapologetic approach up to that. And I realize that's not popular. Um, and but I feel like it's the same place we got to with hitting wives, right? So in the even the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was still acceptable for husbands to hit their wives. We didn't have a law against it until the 80s, right? So it was still acceptable. Now there's no question that that's not okay. So, I think we, we are still in this kind of period where we're still grappling with this, this practice that we have held on to for a long time, um, that, that really is about control and power and expressing anger and frustration and not about making children better. And I will say that I, I totally understand the. the the rationale that many parents give. And and when I talk to African American parents, one of the rationales that I often hear is, well, we live in a racist society, we live in a violent neighborhood, we live in we live in a dangerous place. And we want to make sure that our children are listening to us and making good choices. And because they would rather discipline the child themselves than obviously have the police involved. And I completely get that. So to me, what's 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 sad about that is that the hitting of children actually makes it more likely they're gonna get involved with the police because it's making them more aggressive, more, it's, it's driving them out of the house. And that's a hard, it's a hard conversation to have. So again, I, I understand the instinct um, to wanna to protect your children, but we have to, as a society, get away from the idea that violence is integral to teaching children. It's just not. There's no. There is no evidence that you have to hit a child to help them learn something. I mean, as an as a as an employee, I can I don't hit my students. Like I don't hit my employees to teach them things or to tell them when they did something wrong. I mean, if if my boss hurt me, I mean that <laughs> I would not want to do what they want me to do, right? And so that's the same way with children. It's. They don't want, it makes it hard for them to do what parents want if that same parent is hurting them. And I realize this is hard for people to get their minds around. Most of us were physically punished. I was physically punished as a child. You know, I was raised in a Catholic household. Like, I, I get it, I get it. But we, we have to let go of this idea that you need to hurt kids to help them. That's because it's just not true.
0: Okay, thank you
2: for that. Well, so along that line, um, I, I'm sure a lot of parents, like you said, you, they think that what they're doing is uh, they're discouraging unwanted behaviors, mm-hmm. um, but your work, you found the, the exact opposite, right. but but there's a kind of logic to it, right? There's a kind of logic if, if, you know, when the spanking happens, the child stops, you know, doing the thing that they don't want them to do. So just from a logical standpoint, why doesn't that actually work? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what's interesting is one of the main reasons parents hit their children is because the children are hitting somebody else, right? So the child hits their sibling to get a toy they want. The parent says, stop hitting. Now, what kind of message? (laughs) You you just told them to not hit, and then you hit them. So, I mean, so right away, you can see why it's not going to work, right? Because your actions speak very loudly. You know, even though your words are saying one thing, if your actions are actually... Hurting the other person, like if you're hurting them with your your words and your your um your actions, the children are seeing that they're seeing that there's this contradiction between the message and what they're actually saying. So in those cases, it's definitely not effective. What physical punishment does is it gets people's attention, right? If somebody slapped me right now, I would they'd get my attention, right? But then it's what happens after that that's crucial. If parents are not saying, "What well, this is why what you did was wrong," you can't just take the toy from your brother. You need to take turns. You need to share. You guys need to find a way to work together. This is how we deal when we have scarce resources. We got to figure this out. If it's an, a teaching opportunity, then then it can, all that spanking did was get the child's attention. And there's other ways to get kids' attention. You can say their name. You can raise your voice. You can tap them on the shoulder. You can get in their face. You can sit down with them on the floor. There's many other ways to get kids' attention. Hitting is just one of them. So so to me, that's really what physical punishment does effectively. It gets people's attention. But it doesn't on its own teach children why it's good to share, why it's good to take turns, and what they should do instead. Next time they're in a situation where somebody else has something they want, how are they gonna approach that situation? We want them to approach that situation without trying to hit the other person to get it. We want them to go up to them and say, hey, can I have a turn? Can I have that next? Or can I play with you? So those would be socially appropriate ways to try to get a turn with the toy, not walking up to the kid, walloping them on the head and grabbing the toy. Like that is not what we want. (laughs) And so the spanking doesn't get the kids to the appropriate ways. It, It just tells them you did something wrong. Your mom didn't like it. But if she doesn't explain what to do instead, then the child is kind of left going, well, that was wrong. But I don't don't actually know how to approach that situation the next time. So I mean, as parents, our job is really to help children learn how to make choices. Because life is full of choices, right? I mean, a whole, every day, we are faced with choices and paths that we can go down. And we want to make sure children are kind of given the skills to make those choices that will be best for them and won't harm other people. And so, and we want them to do that when we're not around. And so if the only time they do it is when we're around because they're afraid we're going to hit them, that's not very effective discipline because as soon as we're gone, they'll just do whatever they want. They don't, they haven't internalized the reasons why it's important to share. And so, So that's kind of the the discipline part, which is, you know, discipline means teaching, that comes from the Greek word to teach. The teaching part is the really important part of discipline, but that involves words and involves parents modeling behaviors. It involves parents giving kids positive feedback when they do the right thing so that kids know, oh, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. Mom says that she likes when I share, so this is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's the discipline, the teaching is all that. And, and for it's, it's kind of sad to me that we have made hitting children synonymous with discipline when actually that's not discipline. It's just a way to get kids' attention. The discipline part should happen after and should happen regardless of the hitting. And it's really the teaching part. And frankly, that's the hard part as parents. I mean, you know, I have two kids, like it's, it's the hard part. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes saying the same thing over and over. It takes a lot of patience. Um, but that's kind of where the learning happens, not from the hitting.
2: Right. Such a great insight.
0: Okay. So um, so Liz, I know that this, this is a, a fraught topic for people, precisely because spanking is so mainstream, like you said. Many of us were spanked. Many of us collectively do spank. And so to me, it's kind of remarkable you know, how, how danced around a topic this is for how common it is. Does your does your research give you any insight into that disconnect?
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, in some of the studies we've done, parents are really, they have no problems talking about it. I mean, I think, but I think with time, we're seeing that fewer and fewer parents are at least admitting to doing it. So, I mean, I, I think what you're suggesting is may, they may be still doing it and just, they know now they're not supposed to admit to it. I think it's now the most recent data is like ha- like 49% of parents are now saying that they use spanking. So it's been going down over time. Now, whether that's a real number or not you know, we, we remains to be seen. I think one of the issues, um, and I've been doing some research recently about this, is trying to, people's thoughts about what exactly it is that they're doing and people don't see spanking as hitting. Like they'll say, "Well, I don't hit my child; I spank my child," and so by saying that, they're kind of rationalizing the behavior and and compartmentalizing. It. It's like, "Well, this is an okay kind of violence because it's spanking. That's spanking; it's not hitting." And so the more, the longer that we continue to rationalize it that way, it makes it easier for parents to kind of not see it as something violent. And so, I mean, I'm. I actually feel like many parents are still willing to talk about it and do it. I mean, I think that the the kind of conversation we're having right now is less common where people really, we need people to really grapple with what has been done to them as children. You know, I mean, one of the analogies I often talk about is um, seatbelts. So, you know, I grew up in the seventies my parents' car did not have seatbelts when I was a kid. And so, you know, my siblings and I, we just roll around in the back of the car. Like, you know, there's no seat belts, no car seats for the babies. Like, the babies were in like laundry baskets in the wheel wells, you know, like it was <laughs> kind of cra- crazy times. Um, now, luckily, we were not in a car accident. None of my siblings and I died, thank God. Do I want to keep doing that because I survive? No. No, I don't want to do what my parents did. And in fact, my parents, when they became grandparents, did not do that either. They also realized, you know what, let's put the grandkids in seat belts and car seats because we know better now. So just because our parents did something with us doesn't mean we should do it with our own children. We, we can kind of learn, and we didn't have this research in the 70s. We didn't have all this research about, well, about car seats and seat belts. We didn't have any of that. We didn't have any of the research about parenting. and so. We, but we do now, and so we don't need to kind of repeat this behavior that was done to us just because it was done to us and we survived. It's it's more, we need to learn from what the research tells us and kind of change our behaviors um, accordingly. And you know, I often tell people is, I think that we all survived um, in spite of spanking, not because of it. You know, I, I, a lot of people tell me, well, I'm a better person because I was spanked. Like, well, how do you know that? <laughs> how do you know that for sure? How do you know it's not all the times your parents sat down with you at the dinner table and talked to you about your behavior or talked to you about school or talked to you about your sports or and they came to your events and they took you to church and they like all the other things parents do, those are all the good, those are the things that made us who we are not the spanking. I mean, hopefully for most of us, the spanking was not very common. It's all that other stuff that made us who we are. And so it's also, I mean, that's, I think that's one of the more surprising things to me is how people are just still clinging to that idea that the spanking made them a good person. Um, Like they don't say that about reasoning, like when all those times my parents reasoned with me, that became <laughs> maybe a good person, or all the times my parents grounded me. Like, no, nobody says that. They say that about spanking. And I just, that to me is still a confounding issue. And I think, and, and so to, I, I guess this is a very long answer to your question. I don't really know. I, there's something different about physical punishment that, I mean, people have been doing it as long as we've had recorded history, right? I mean, it, it, it it's in the Bible. It goes very far back, Uh, even before the Bible. I mean, it's, we just, it's a very long human um, behavior. And so it takes a while to change it. Um, So, so yeah, I don't, I I guess I just don't, I don't entirely understand why people are so committed to it. Um, That, that is something I haven't been able to figure out in research really.
0: Okay. Um, It's so it's, it's easy to second guess parents about what they should do, and we do that in a lot of different ways, not just related to spanking. Um, so one question I have is what can you tell us about how we can incentivize parents to do something different? I mean my my sense oftentimes is that people react to the idea of like um of alternatives to spanking like you're like you're bringing up communism, you know um well, it sounds good on paper, but you've never met my kid so. So do, do you have any, do you have any insights into that? I do.
1: I mean, I had a son who was very aggressive. Um, when he was three, he hit me a lot. <laughs> I don't know why this was just his way of getting on his frustration. Um, thankfully he didn't do it with children at school or at preschool. Like his teachers are like, Oh, he's a wonderful, but then he just, he had this kind of pent up stuff and, and it was, he felt safe. Getting it out at home, and so when he did that, I, that's a, I, I remember distinctly thinking, "This is exactly when somebody wants to hit their child." Like this is I, I felt the anger, I felt the frustration, I felt the futility. Like uh, nothing I'm doing is working, and so I totally get that. I get I've been there, and it took a lot of self control because I mean, in a way, I mean, when you're hit, your first reaction is to hit back. Like that's just kind of a human reaction. And so it took a lot for me to be like, okay, I have to not hit him back as much as that is my primal reaction. I got to control myself and I need to get out get, move away from him so that I'm not going to be hurt anymore. And I need to come up with a different solution. And so it's hard. I mean, it's definitely hard. I, I don't want to say that parenting, you know, not hitting is going to be an easy thing. It, it actually is a really hard thing. And so, I mean, I think the main incentive for parents is that your children will actually be better behaved if you don't hit them. And and that's hard for people to say to understand. People who are already hitting, I mean, because they think, well, if I don't spank them, then I'm not going to discipline them. So what are you telling me to do? And and so my response is not, you know, we don't want to take away discipline entirely obviously. I mean, that we don't want ch- children running wild and, and doing dangerous things. Like, that's not the solution. The solution is to find just to do all the other things that we do. Just take the hidden part out, all the talking, all the, you know, the, the consequences, all the making children, um, like make reparations. Like if they draw on the wall, they've got to clean it up. And you know, if they hurt somebody, they've got to apologize and try to make it better and all that kind of stuff. We just keep doing all of that. And you know it, there is going to be a level of faith that parents, and some parents aren't just aren't going to be willing to do this, but so, that parents have to trust that if they stop using physical punishment and they, they just do these other methods, that it's going to work. And it may not work right away, right? And and many parents will tell me like I've got to have this in my arsenal, I've got to have this ultimate sanction. Um, but I'm here to tell you, I did, I didn't have to have. That. I mean, I. I know lots of parents of all religions and races who have found ways to discipline without hitting. So it's definitely possible. Um, It just, you have to make a commitment to doing it. And, um, you know, I understand. I understand there's lots of pressures on parents and competing influences. And um, so, but the ultimate motivator is really, if you want better behaved children, hitting them is not the answer. You actually are making your job harder by hitting them because their behavior gets worse over time.
0: Okay. So um, you recently gave a talk at the Texas Science Festival, um, which I happened to catch. It was called Coming Down from the Ivory Tower, Using Research to Advocate for Children. Uh, I just want to know if you could say some things uh, for our listeners uh, about your your journey from from pure researcher to advocate and and just how comfortable you you are you know wearing that mantle now you know com- compared to when you started
1: yeah so you know starting twenty years ago i knew i was weighing into a or wading into a, a very controversial area and so i and i was not a parent at the time and and i but as a social scientist i wanted to make sure i had the data and so i I came at this from a data-driven point of view. I wanted to know: are parents right? Is physical punishment effective? Like are maybe they're right. Let's just look at the research. And so I was able to find these hundreds of studies. And I mean, it's just there's nothing like it in science where you just find the same thing over and over and over and over. I mean, just hundreds of times. And after a while, I was just like, I, I can't, I can't stay silent about this anymore. I mean. I mean, for the first 10 or 15 years, I didn't kind of do advocacy. I was, I was the scientist and I did the research and people cited, it. I talked to the media, but that was kind of it. But then I realized that if I didn't do more based on what I learned, then I, mean, I kind of felt a moral obligation, honestly. That I mean, it's like if I was a researcher on smoking and I did 15 years of research and found smoking caused lung cancer, like at a certain point, you feel the obligation to tell people, you gotta change your behavior, it's dangerous, it's hurting you. And so I kind of felt like I I just have to, it wasn't enough to just stay by the side. And so I started getting invitations to participate in some meetings in Europe actually. Um, So many European countries, as you probably know, have banned all physical punishment of children, but not all of them. And I was invited to a couple of what they call high level meetings where, there's government officials from all over the world that come. And so I was there to talk about the research. And I did, I talked about the research and that was compelling to them. And so and so I guess, I mean, as an advocate, I do it from a science base. I, I, I show up as the expert. I don't, I don't usually talk about my experience as a parent. I actually just talk about what I know from research. And so I'm, I'm trying to, to use science for advocacy. Um, and so I feel like when I know when I'm really convinced that something is harmful, I can't just sit back and let other people use that research and advocate it. It seems like it just to me it's a moral issue, and so um, you know, and so that's kind of why now I'm involved in these efforts to ban corporal punishment in schools um, because I think many people around the country just don't even realize this is still happening in schools and that around a hundred thousand kids every year are getting paddled in schools. And so, um, I, I, I did some research and it didn't really do much. And then I realized I just need to make sure people know I mean, we have to do more to educate people that this is happening in their name. Like we in Texas, this is happening in our name as citizens of Texas. We, we have said, this is okay. We're okay with teachers and principals hitting kids with boards. Like that's, our legislator on our behalf has said that's okay. And I don't know that everybody in Texas knows that. <laughs> um, and so, so again, so I, so I try to keep it as a science base, but I feel kind of this moral obligation to, to tell people about it so that the research doesn't just stay in a journal in the library and nobody reads it. I mean, that doesn't really help anyone. Um, so so that's, that's kind of where I got, how I got there.
0: Okay, so I will now pass the baton back to Mark, who will take us out. Uh, thank you so much for those uh for those responses.
1: Sure, great questions. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you, Liz. This has been very uh very eye-opening and inspiring. Um I wanted to just have a last question here uh before we wrap up. And I you know, we've talked a lot about about the science and the things you you know you've learned in all this time, but I, I can imagine that would be uh, perhaps depressing at times, right? To 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 see that so many people still spank, to see how it doesn't really work, how all the impacts that it has on children. So, so I'm just curious, what makes you hopeful?
1: Mm. That's a good question. Um, I am hopeful, and I when I see that the trends in parents reporting spanking are going down over the last 20 years, they have been going steadily down. In national surveys, so that makes me hopeful. It makes me hopeful that parents are trying other methods and finding that they work better. And so it might take a generation to really kind of complete that process. Um, what we've seen in other countries that have had bans, like complete bans on physical punishment, it takes a whole generation or maybe even two to kind of work, have this work its way through the, <laughs> through the population. Um, So like in Sweden, they were the first country to pass a ban in 1979. And when they passed the ban, they were right, right where we are. Half their population thought spanking was perfectly fine. But then that next generation that was born after the ban, those kids, when they grew up, were like, what? No, it's not okay to hit kids. So it kind of, they grew up under a different kind of way of thinking about parenting. And so that to me is hopeful. It shows that we can change and we can kind of move away from this, you know, reliance on, not reliance, but the continued use of hitting children as discipline. So I think we're moving in the right direction. I think that it's, um, it's slow. Um, I'm also inspired by the fact that um, this bill may have a chance in passing Congress to ban corporal punishment in schools. I think that would just be such a wonderful thing. Um, I mean, corporal punishment in schools is just really barbaric. Um, you know, it leaves injuries on kids. It's, it's used in a discriminatory way. You know, Black students are paddled more than white students, disabled students are paddled more than abled students. I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, it's just, there's absolutely no reason for us to be doing this anymore. And so I'm hopeful. I, I hear from Congress that they, um, the Congress members, they think there's a chance it might pass that would just be, I would be so delighted if that happens. That would just, you know, that would make my, my decade if, if we can get that to happen.
2: Well, that would be great. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for sharing your work and your passion. Uh, it really is inspiring. And uh, with that, I will go ahead and hand it back to Ike to do a little, little close out business. So thank you again, Liz. Thank you.
0: Uh, yes, thank you. And uh, Mark, uh, we're really going to need to do this again sometime. Um, yeah, again, his, his podcast is Point of Discovery. Please check it out. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, I really do. I really do appreciate both of you um, finding the time.
2: Thanks, Ike. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for, for talking to us today and for sharing your work. It really is inspiring.
1: Thank you so much for your interest and for inviting me to talk about my work. It's it's really a delight to do so.
0: This is not our first foray into the topic of harsh and exclusionary discipline. Studies show persistent racial disparities in the type, frequency, and harshness of discipline meted out to students. Uh, And these disparities, in turn, contribute to lower levels of achievement and even the school to prison pipeline for minority students. Back in 2016, we brought on Dr. Marilyn R. Moore, director of the Institute for Restorative Justice and Restorative Dialogue, for a conversation about restorative discipline. Restorative discipline is a philosophy and a system-wide intervention that holds itself out as an alternative to punitive discipline in schools, Dr. Armour explains what exactly this means.
1: It is a philosophy, it is also a movement, and it is a set of practices. And the intent behind it is to redirect society's retributive approach to crime and wrongdoing. So what that means, uh, if you uh, deconstruct that, if you take that apart, is that restorative justice is really a victim-centered approach to wrongdoing that gives the people most directly affected by that wrongdoing the opportunity to come together for dialogue and to do what they can to make things as right as possible in the aftermath of that wrongdoing.
0: This is from Episode 22, Restorative Discipline in Schools, and I've included a link to the full episode in the show description, so please check that out. And that does it for this episode. We're glad you could join us. If you have comments or anything you would like to share about the podcast, feel free to reach out to us at intothefold at austin.utexas.edu. Especially thoughtful comments will be acknowledged during a future episode. Just as taking care of ourselves enhances our ability to help others, So it is as well that by helping others, we enhance our own resilience. Once again, special thanks to Mark Earhart. His podcast is Point of Discovery. Its website, pointofdiscovery.org. Please leave us a review. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or TuneIn. Thanks for joining us.